Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Scott Boris. Oh, yes, indeed. Jeff is off all week long. I will be in this very seat, noon to 3, each day between now and Friday. We'll have some fun, especially the end of the week. You know, Friday is a Valentine's Day. We need to come up with some sort of, I look to uh, Kyle Pachinski, who's producing for uh, Gru today. Of course, as I say every time, Gru and Jeff, tight relationship. Uh, they vacation together, so Gru and Jeff and, and everybody down on vacation. So I think Friday, in lieu of Pop Culture Corner, which again is uh, the sole property of one Jeff Wagner, and who am I to you know, step foot on that piece of property, We'll have some sort of Friday frivolity tied to Valentine's Day. Do you have big plans? You're engaged now, right? I am, yeah. This is your first, this will be your first Valentine's Day as an engaged man. So it's time to start doing it up. Yeah, we got buddy. nothing planned. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm working. I'll be working. <laughs> Work, working on it, let's hope. Uh, we'll do something there on Friday. Um, have a lot planned between now and then. Obviously, it's a big week. Uh, if you like the political stuff, many of you do. Some of you are fatigued. Tomorrow, New Hampshire primary day, and we'll have coverage tomorrow night on WTMJ. So maybe Wednesday we'll catch up with Craig Gilbert. He is uh, the smartest person I know when it comes to dissecting the various results from the primaries and or caucuses. And maybe come Wednesday, Iowa will have everything done. No, actually, they have. I think they're at 100%. Buddha judge a little squeaker of a win for what it's worth. We move on now, and we'll do that on Wednesday, perhaps. So last night, I am a, I am a sucker for awards shows. Now I'll admit, I'm not the biggest music person, but I'll get roped into watching the Grammys. I don't know that. Well, I know I've never seen a musical on Broadway, for that matter. So, but I'll get roped into you know, the Tonys. Are, although I don't know as many people involved in that, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the the unknown, the something could go wrong, and I love it when things go wrong. But last night, Academy Awards, I admittedly have not seen any one of the movies, not a single one of the movies that was up for Best Picture. Familiar with plenty of the actors and actresses, obviously, but I, I, now I got nothing when it comes to the movies. I said, yeah, and, but I get roped into it. And it was not surprising. There was an infusion of politics in what was relayed last night. And I'm sick of it. I, I really am. And let me just be honest. I'll be upfront with you. I, I do not like it. And again, it's a very selfish feeling because it's my intake of, in this case, the Academy Awards. I do not like when politics intersects with my entertainment world. That intersection of sports and politics, as we have talked about at length over any number of issues over the years, right? 
or entertainment or, you know, the movies, Hollywood and politics, and they're always intermingled. I know that. But last night, I still watched it. I'm a sucker for it. And yet, and yet, I thought, well, maybe joke. It could be a good drinking game. How deep into the night before you have the first political joke? And it was such that the very first, the very first award, was it uh, a supporting actor? The very first award, the very first speaker of the night, the very first speech of the night, and, and the very first sentence of the night. And Brad Pitt drops this on us. Thank you. This is incredible. Really incredible. Thank you to the Academy for this honor of honors. All right. They told me I only have 45 seconds up here, which is 45 seconds more than the Senate gave John Bolton this week. Oh. oh, oh. Hello. I'm thinking maybe Quentin does a movie about it. In the end, the adults do the right thing. Ah, that's it. it. You know what bothered me was it's right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. And... It bothers me to the point where I wonder, should the Academy Awards, and I want to ask this right out of the gate, 855-616-1620. Are we at the point now where the Academy Awards, and I recognize this is pie in the sky, this should never happen, or will never happen, but should it? Should the Academy Awards put out an edict to all the speakers in a given night and say, look, we would like you to withhold your political comments and restrict your comments when you get up there to simply your award and the people you would like to thank. Now, I know, I know, Scott, you moron, that's never going to happen. I know it won't. And I want to know if you would agree with that. Should the Academy Awards, and they would, you imagine the heat, they would get, oh, this thing would never make it out of the the uh, the planning stage. I get that. But as a viewer, and is that not the intent of these awards shows? As a viewer, I just don't want it. I go, like sports, I go to that four-hour show last night as a, a place to escape what is going on in the quote-unquote real world. And I, as a viewer, I don't like it. And yes, they have the right to say that. But should, if you're running the Academy Awards, is this something that is now so out of control that they should muzzle? Is that too strong a word? Muzzle their speakers to say, look, nothing political. Nothing political. And you can have it both ways. And yes, I realize that Hollywood clearly leans left, so it's very anti-right talk, but not both ways. If somebody came out there and touted for their entire length of their speech, you know, five minutes on why President Trump should be reelected or why it was great he was acquitted, I would be as turned off by that as I am speech on the other side. So that's where I want to start this afternoon. It's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Maybe, maybe I just need tougher skin. You can tell me that as well. Maybe it's one of those things where you just, you just let it roll off your back and you say, look, it's no big deal. You can still enjoy the production and the television aspect of it. Even if there are those political they're not even overtones or undertones. They're just very blatant political comments. And yeah, this is not new. This is nothing new. It's been going on for a long time. I was trying to figure out when it started and as, as 
Carol Kane mentioned, it might go back to, you know, when Marlon Brando sent a surrogate up there, a, a Native American, right, a surrogate to accept his award and speak out on Native American rights. Is that when it started? Was that the, was that the line of demarcation? And once, once Hollywood saw, man, if Marlon Brando is doing that, well, then anybody, then look, then we can just have at it. But there was something last night that was just so beyond frustrating. You know, when Brad Pitt says that I audibly groaned. Really? We just, you just started the show. You're the first award. You're the first speaker. You're the first recipient. And the first thing out of your mouth is, well, they tell me 45 seconds. That's 45 seconds more than they gave John Bolton this week. Really? I need to be reminded about the impeachment trial at the beginning of... You know, the, an awards show to round out the weekend, just kind of chilling at home watching it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just something we need to become used to and are used to by this point. But there was something about last night, and that's not the only example. There are plenty other examples throughout the course of the four-plus-hour production. 855-616-1620, Acuna Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are we at the point, should the Academy Awards muzzle their recipients, muzzle their speakers... Or if not altogether muzzle, at least put something out ahead of time saying we'd appreciate it if you stayed apolitical. I know it won't happen, but uh, we can pretend, can't we? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. As reminded again last night, watching the Academy Awards, as I'm a sucker for these awards shows, I don't know why. I have to figure that out. But that's for me to determine. Um, I was impacted again, or, or, or you know, it certainly brought to light the fact that the, the politics intersecting with entertainment. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate it when it impacts my Sundays, my, my Sunday football watching, anything in any sport. And I didn't like it last night. I didn't. I'm just curious. I started thinking, could you ever imagine if the Academy Awards powers... <laughs> They said, look, we'd like you to with uh, uh, refrain, refrain from any political comments in your acceptance speeches. How many, how many, how many people would show up? You'd have, you would have nothing but uh, Kramer seat fillers in the entire floor. Now, I realize that's not going to happen, but should it? At least should the attempt, can we ask that, should at least the attempt be made? Let's go to the phone. Southside, it's Bird. Hey, Bird, you're on WTMJ. How are you, sir? I'm okay. How are you? Good, good. Um, I agree with you pretty much. It's all liberal pap that they're spewing there. But I remember what one of the founders said, and I can't remember who it was, but he said, I'm paraphrasing, he said something to the effect that I may vigorously disagree with what you're saying, but I defend to the death your right to say it. So that's my stance on it. I would have just changed the channel. And I did. You know, it's funny, Bert. After, after Brad Pitt levied, uh, leveled that first comment, I changed it. But then I came back when he was done. You're right. You're right. They have the right to do it. And I think that, that's why, because I, that's why I asked the question as I did, because they do have right. the right to do it. And you could not say, do not do it. I, I think what they could right. do is say, can you please try to refrain if you don't mind? But imagine the backlash from Hollywood if it got out that, right. that, that the Hollywood elite were asked not to talk about. It. And look, you mentioned, you know, the, the liberal slant that's preached. But I feel the other way, too. It's just all across the board. It's just that intersection of politics with the fun that's stuff, right. movies, sports, right? 
Right? You just flip the channel. That's yeah. what I do. I haven't watched those Academy Awards in 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bert. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. Look, they have the right to say it. We have the right to, to change the station, change the channel. I got it. I'm with you. Tom in Milwaukee. Hi, Tom. How are you doing there this morning? I'm okay. What's your take on this? Uh, could you well, ever imagine this happening? I, th- I thought it was just ridiculous, especially the end of the show there where they're doing that extra half an hour on that show there. I, I don't think it should be a political stage. Get the get the award, get the 15 or 30 seconds, and say what, say what you're going to uh, say, who you're going to praise, or whatever that is. Bingo and move on. Yeah. It's not just not uh, Iowa, a messy uh, thing, or New Hampshire, or wherever else that you want to do, or some other darker uh, political type of uh, statement. Right. Thanks for the call, Tom. Eight five five six one six one six twenty on the uh, text line two six two. Absolutely, I don't want politics and sports and entertainment. I'll come back to that in a second. A four one four texter for every political comment made, a monetary donation will be made to the opposite party. Oh, I like that. That would be good. But who would be making that donation? Hmm. Two six two. Very seldom have I heard a meaningful acceptance speech, but there is something to be said for the fact that these acceptance speeches are not for us, the viewer, not for us, the moviegoer. The acceptance speech is for the the recipient of the award, which then would lead them to say, "Well, hey, if it's about me, then I should be able to say whatever I want to say," and they do have the right to say whatever they want to say. But I'm just, you know, very selfish that way. Yes, please. Keep political comments to themselves. I turned it off before Brad Pitt could finish. Done with the Oscars. You didn't come back, really? I left and I came back. That was my right as well. The films are often political. But here's the thing. If the films are political, that's fine. You can create movies and whatever messaging you want. That's the one of the great things about being in this country and making movies. You can do that. And isn't that the, isn't that the place where the political message should be given? Fool me once, shame on... You fool me twice, shame on me. I stopped watching years ago. Yeah, a lot of people saying, I'm done, I'm out, I'm over. And somebody says, Joaquin Phoenix, what was that? Oh, uh, we'll just mention that we come back. Scott Warrison for Jeff Wagner. Yes, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, I guess chastising all of us in an odd, rambling sort of way to not put creamer in our coffee today? Huh? Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, I guess this was a political thing he said. I I think Joaquin Phoenix won the award last night for Best Actor, Joker. Again, I did not see it. I have not seen any of them. And he's kind of an odd, quirky guy to begin with. But I never know if he's being serious or if this is all tongue-in-cheek or this is part of some larger ruse he's playing on all of us. This is... One of the more odder parts of his speech, listen to this. I think that we've become very disconnected from the natural world. And many of us, what we're guilty of is an egocentric worldview. The belief that we're the center of the universe. We go into the natural world and we plunder it for its resources. Uh We feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow. And when she gives birth, we steal her baby. Even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. And then we take her milk that's intended for a calf and we put it in our coffee and our cereal. And I think 
we fear the idea of personal change because we think that we have to sacrifice something to give something up. But human beings at our best are so inventive and creative and ingenious. And I think that when we use love and compassion as our guiding principles, we can create, develop, and implement systems of change that are beneficial to all sentient beings and to the environment. Uh, my head hurts listening to that. It's um, They have the right to say whatever they want. I just, uh, some of the, the reaction by those in the audience was pretty classic as well. So we're not to use the creamer in the coffee. Like, carry whatever message you want. They're not restricting the speech. Maybe they should. Maybe you shouldn't talk about, uh, well, I don't know. But I thought that that was one of the more <clears throat> moments of the night. I still put creamer in my coffee this morning. Sorry. I didn't really think of the mother cow that went through the pain to have that happen. So we move on. And yes, I know some of you said, uh, who said, uh, oh man, somebody said, look, you just barrel through. You just, you know, burrow your way through and you watch it and you enjoy it. And I, that's what I did. But that's why you've got the, that's why, that's why God created the, the remote, right? You can flip away, you can come back and all that stuff. And we'll move on. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Twelve thirty-seven. Hey, real quickly, something that we are doing all this week. I know Jeff has talked many, many times about Sticks Golf, and we're doing something with the great folks at Sticks Golf. We had a, uh, a great promotion that ran over the holiday, the Christmas holiday, and whatnot. Well, we're doing it again in a ramp up to Friday. And what you need to do is head to WTMJ's Facebook page. Go to the Facebook page, and you'll see the, uh, what would you say, the, the graphic, as it were, for Sticks Golf Entertainment. And you're going to get an opportunity all this week, every day, so you get five shots, to win a $25 gift card to Sticks Golf. Now, what do you have to do to, to um, be considered a recipient for that gift card? Go to the Facebook page, click on, uh, click on the, the logo there, and post a comment, very simple comment, as to why you love golf. How about that? It's Valentine's Day. Love is in the air. Golf is in the air. So why not combine the two? That's what I say. So here's what we're going to do. After 1.30, actually, we'll probably do it in the 2 o'clock hour. Actually, we'll probably do it after 2.30, okay? After 2.30, we're going to look to see um, how many of you have posted a comment saying why you love golf or why you love sticks, golf entertainment, and we're going to look at all the comments. We'll pick a winner. Be creative. Be thoughtful. Be genuine is also good. I don't know where we're going to go, but Kyle and I will powwow, and we will pick one winner each day. And you've got to go to the Facebook page and uh, make your comment there. We'll be, we'll be monitoring that. Creativity is good. Authenticity is great. And we'll pick the best comment today, tomorrow, through Friday. And uh, if you are the chosen one, you'll get a $25 gift card to Sticks Golf, which is a, a remarkable place. And I know Jeff has talked about it a lot. I think he's in a league, too, isn't he? Isn't Jeff in a league? That's great. You work on your game year-round. You can drink while you golf, which is, you know, sign us up for that. You can drink. You can eat while you go. Anyway, we're doing that. Just go to WTMJ's Facebook page. You'll see the logo there. Click on it. Post your comment. Be creative. Why do you love golf? And we'll be monitoring and give away today's $25 gift card to Sticks. 
after 2.30. I did this a couple of weeks ago on my Saturday show. I'm going to do it now. 855-616-1620. What is your freakout factor when it comes to coronavirus? On a scale of 1 to 5, 5 being you are you are you are barricading the doors, you are keeping the family inside, you are not letting the kids go to school, you are not associating yourself with any other human being. Ultimate freak out. And you could say one being an absolute nothing burger or you're at least aware of it and you're somewhat concerned but not all that. And I bring this up because coronavirus now has exceeded the number of deaths tied to the coronavirus have now exceeded SARS. Remember SARS? It's back in 2003. That's hard to believe it was that long ago. And um, in 2003, there were 774 people killed by SARS. Remember what that stood for? Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome in more than two dozen countries. So far, 813 deaths, updated number, have been tied to the coronavirus. So... Where are you and why do you feel as you do? I am, if I'm going one to five, uh, a couple weeks ago I said I'm a negative two. Maybe now I'm a negative one. I've maybe inched up a little bit, but I am not concerned, and I think there's a few reasons for that. But where are you? At 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And it can vary. I recognize that. It can vary if you have loved ones overseas. Maybe uh, you do some traveling. Maybe you've got a, a young person, a college-age kid, and maybe they're studying over there, or or there's a foreign exchange student from that part of the country, and they're coming back for the second semester. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of reasons why. Maybe you have a, you know, uh, your, your immune system is weak, and so you're susceptible to illnesses more so than most people. Maybe then you're you're... Very concerned. But I, I'm curious, and we'll find out if we get no calls on this, 855-616-1620, then I'll, I'll get the hint. But to think, because when you start talking other illnesses and, and pandemics across this country, across the, across, across the globe, you think SARS, that's one of them, right? There have been other, other ones in recent decades that people kind of pause and say, whoa, all right. But now there more people have died from this than that. And does that does that move the needle at all for you? 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I'll tell you, even though there are now more deaths tied to coronavirus than SARS, I'm still a, a scale of 1 to 5, a negative 1. Because, as I mentioned, 774 people died by SARS. But that was in more than two dozen countries. Okay. Of the 813 deaths so far to the coronavirus, all but two, hmm, all but two have been in mainland China. Now, that doesn't mean that others don't get it. That doesn't mean that there haven't been symptoms and signs of it, including in our own backyard, cities here in Wisconsin, uh, the Chicagoland area. You know, we're following this ongoing saga of the cruise ship and there are americans on board the cruise ship that are uh, being quarantined out there they're not letting them come back and um, disembark as it were but one to five with five being very very concerned and one being i know it's out there but meh i'm i'm good i'm fine where are you right now and does this latest statistical 
information change you at all, knowing that this is now more deadly than SARS? 855-616-1620. Coronavirus, freakout factor, because it's not going away anytime soon. And if anything, it's, it's growing, right? There are more countries, there are more people where we're hearing and learning of symptoms, not deaths necessary, uh, necessarily outside of mainland China, but it's becoming more prevalent. So how conscious are you of it in your everyday life? 855-616-1620. Coronavirus. Freak out factor. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Freak out factor for the coronavirus. I like doing this from time to time. I did it about a week and a half ago. Not a lot of people were very amped up over it. Talked to a couple folks who, because of a compromised immune system, have to be much more cautious. But I think in large part they said, look, I'm usually cautious this time of year because this is the time of year when the flu bug is going around and other illnesses are circulating. So, But if you have a tie to that part of the the globe, maybe you're a little bit more concerned. 855-616-1620. On average, the 414 texter says, on average, 61,000 or about 60,000 people die annually from the flu. So make the comparison there. But the four, another texter says, I order stuff that was shipped from China, and I threw the items in the garbage, even though I knew it shouldn't matter. But I don't want to take any chances. I don't know what it was that you threw out. 262, freak out factor of a one. Far more people die the standard flu year after year than SARS plus Corona combined. Statistically, to this point, that's true. This is a text that means a lot, too. And if you work in the healthcare industry, I'd love to hear from you as well because you can add a certain dimension and depth that I can't. If somebody in the, if somebody in the medical industry says, uh, Scott, you better start freaking out, then maybe I will. If a doctor calls up, if a nurse calls up, somebody in that area and that... Career field calls up and says, uh, this is something that should be taken a lot more seriously than it is. Well, maybe then I start listening. I listen to smart people. I think we should all listen to very smart people. It's a advice for life. But the texter says, I work in a hospital. I'm afraid I'm at a zero, actually. But we have no documented cases so far either. So there's somebody who works in a hospital. And they are a zero. All right. 855-616-1620. I always like putting things on scales. I think that's an easy way to kind of gauge your feelings, your reaction, in this case, to the freak out of the coronavirus. I'll put it one to five, five being freaking out. Let's start in Brookfield and talk to James. James, are you freaking out? No, sir. Uh, good afternoon. Hey, James. I'm, I'm kind of like with you. I'm kind of like with you with a negative two. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know, like you said before, we get more more deaths from the, the normal flu that we get every year, and I, I just think they're making too much of it. All right, thanks, James. So there you go. James starts us off in the negative. He's he's with me. Let's continue on here. Jeff in Milwaukee, how worried are you when it comes to the coronavirus? Um, hi, Scott. Hey. I put it at about a point five. <laughs> okay, tell me why. And that. Well, um, I have uh, I do business with uh, with factories in China, and there is a delay with workers returning to the factories, and um, and so product is being delayed because this is the end of Chinese New Year, 
and so there's a further delay in product being manufactured and shipped to the United States. And normally this isn't a big deal, but it's a big deal to those people who didn't order product on time. And so, you know, they're looking for people to blame. Oh, so okay. So you're, you're you, okay, but it sounds like you're coming at this from more of a commerce perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's okay. just a commerce perspective, and so buyers are blaming their uh, they're they're looking to blame their suppliers, and uh, and the sales force uh, just doesn't know how to. It, it, it's, it's, it's but here's the question, over. Jeff. I mean, Jeff, it's not Jeff. Only one here's the qu- Jeff. Jeff. Here's the question. But from yep. a f- from an overall medical crisis no. perspective, are not you at all concerned? concerned at all. Not medically at all. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. So, um, again, I want to focus on that. I mean, I, I understand there's a commerce element in this, but I just mean, are, are you freaking out uh, from a health perspective, from a medical perspective? And yes, it's impacting uh, a lot in terms of trade and business and whatnot. Um, a texter says, uh, let's see here, uh, 808 texter. Very concerned. I'm a four because in China, the death rate for a while there was doubling every day. And I doubt, actually, they say, I don't believe they're reporting accurately the death rate. I did read a little bit over the weekend about the, the death of the, the doctor, the scientist that was the whistleblower, as it were, regarding the coronavirus. And reading about how the Chinese government tried to quell the information that was coming out initially and silence him and those who were trying to sound the warning sirens as it were it's very alarming it really is so you do look anything that comes out of china and that government you do sometimes have to wonder if you're getting the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth one more call here craig and beaver dam hi craig you're on wtmj I totally agree with that, that last text. Or, you know, what comes out of China? What are the real numbers? And China themselves shut down a city of over 11 million. That's like shutting down, what, a couple, what, Minnesota and Wisconsin all together. So you got to ask yourself about those numbers. Mm-hmm. And then with all our airports, who went to China and then came back through Italy or Germany and then to the United States? 14-day incubation slash symptom showing, uh, uh, signs. We don't know where this is going, and they say there won't be even a preventative shot until the middle of summer. So I don't think you can put a negative number on it. I'm, I guess I would say I'm at a two until we uh, have our own CDC come out mm-hmm. and uh, give an explanation. And thanks for taking my call. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Craig. You as well. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think that that is a fair, measured, tempered response and reaction you know, I say I'm a negative one, but that's just me. I, I think it's very fair. I would not be freaking out if I were you. I think it's very fair to be a, you know, as high as a one or a two, maybe even a three, kind of middle of the road, saying, look, this is out there. I'm conscious of it. I'm monitoring the news cycle. What's the latest? Where is the latest uh, place that symptoms and, and people apparently are maybe 
showing signs of having it? How close is it to, to my backyard? How close is it to me and my life? Uh, we'll end on this, the uh, text from the 262. My daughter and son-in-law live in Shanghai. Many of the deaths and the statistics come from an area that didn't have access to health care. They got their temperature checked everywhere they go and have to wear masks. In the States, we have better health care and, in general, take better preventative care, like using soap and water. Yes, the most simple of things, like they say, wash your hands, hot water, warm water. Soap, lather up, those preventative steps, something that we take for granted, but great point there, Texter, that where this is a hotbed of a virus, even those simple things that we have, they don't have, and the level of health care that is being provided in those parts of the globe, in that part of China, is nothing to what we have here. Maybe a symptom or two here, you can jump on it. The medical professionals around us can get us the, the medicine and the, 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 the diagnosis we need before it gets anywhere near a deadly stage. That's a huge factor in this as well, the level of health care and the access that we have here they don't have there. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ Scott Warris. Jeff on vacation, privileged to sit in until 3 all this week. Kyle Paczynski producing the big program as always, 855-616-1620. That is our Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That's how you get involved. You have 22 more minutes to try and qualify for today's $25 gift card to Sticks Golf Entertainment. And you just simply go to the WTMJ Facebook page, click on the contest, click on the logo, and tell us why you love golf. Be creative, be authentic, be genuine. Don't be phony, don't be fake. Love is pure, love is true. Why should golf elicit phony feelings out of you? That rhymed. That was not intentional. See, I would put that down there. If you want to rhyme, roses are red, violets are blue. I like golf because it takes me away from you. That's something you could write if you don't like your wife or vice versa. You don't like your husband and golf takes... Be creative. Anyway, we'll do. Uh, we'll be looking at that, monitoring that after one thirty before the end of the show. We'll be huddling up and giving away today's twenty-five dollar gift card. I like creativity. All right. Saturday, Bobby Knight returned to Indiana University. He had not been back in twenty years. Bobby Knight, the very, very controversial coach, a great coach. Brought multiple, what, three championships to Indiana national titles. But his end was very tumultuous. He was fired in 2000 after the accusations and video evidence and an investigation that he choked a former player at a practice in 1997. There was video grainies, a pruder-like videotape that supported it. Um, he was fined. After that came out, he was suspended. Then later in the year, in 2000, he was accused of grabbing a student by the arm, cursing and lecturing him about manners after uh, the student walking past him on campus said, Hey, Knight, what's up? That's when he was fired because he was on a zero-tolerance policy. He was very ugly. And he has never apologized for it. Yet on Saturday, he returned in a very debilitated state, I would say very debilitated in comparison to the robust man he once was. He's in his 80s now. I believe he's in his 80s. And 
he clearly is, you know, he doesn't have all his faculties about him anymore. He's a much more, I think, sympathetic figure because of it. And I think it's one of those situations and instances that kind of spans spans life even more outside of sports. Because here is somebody who never apologized for what he did and how he went about going and doing his job. Very controversial. He was fired. He came back. And yet there is this love fest going on, I sense, right now about and around Bobby Knight that is completely, I think, ignoring what happened some 20 years ago and how he went about doing his job. And how he went about doing his job was not how a lot of coaches go about doing their job. And, and I know you can say, well, it was a different time, and it certainly was. It was, it was a time where a coach could grab a kid, could throw him down to the seat by the jersey, could berate a, a, a young man, and it was, hey, that's just how he is. That's life. That has changed, by the way, by now. That has changed. This is not something that that is still accepted. Can you imagine? Well, no, I can't imagine because Bobby Knight cannot get away with that anymore. He would not be able to get away with it anymore. It's a different time. Young people are are different now, and I think it's for the better. Yes, I know, tougher back then, and he he made them men and all that other stuff. But you can make young men, grown men, or boys. You can make boys men from a coaching perspective, in a lot of ways. And this, in my opinion, was not a way to effectively do that. Even if the end result was there, it does not justify the means. The end does not justify uh, the means when it comes to Bobby Knight and how he coached. But Saturday he returned. And the love fest that has come of it, oh, it's great, he's back. And I feel as if the love fest has transcended the campus of Indiana. I understand why Indiana is blind to what happened and why they've chosen to block out so much of the so much of the bad. Um there is a fandom, there is blind loyalty, there is maybe recency bias in so far as look who he is now. He clearly well, I'm not going to diagnose anything, but it would not appear that he may have many, 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 many years left based on his age and his condition. Did you see him, by the way, Kyle? Did you see any of this? You should check, should check out the video. It's, it, it, and it is, it's jarring because he was a giant of a man when he coached, a very imposing presence. He's a big, I've never seen him in person, but I guess he's a very tall guy, very big guy, uh, and that was not at all the look he emitted on Saturday when he returned as part of this celebration for one of his greatest teams. Yeah, I, I didn't see the I didn't see the game. I didn't see it happen in real you know in real time, but I saw it on SportsCenter and yeah, frail. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I again not I don't work in healthcare either, yeah, so I have no I, idea what like having a blue nose where like everything else on your face is normal colored. I don't really know what that means. So yeah, it looks like something's deteriorating and 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 in know. watching some of his interaction with people, I don't know that. It looks like there's some sort of dementia going on, just based anecdotally on my layman's experience. Wasn't like full awareness, right? Yeah. So, so here, here's, but I cannot, I cannot, through all the love that's being shown him, I cannot get over how he was in his career and how he treated young people, and that is something that has to be part of the Bobby Knight story. 
the way he treated students, the way he treated his student athletes, the way he treated the media, the way he treated assistant coaches cannot be brushed under the rug because right now, oh, it's a great moment and let's put our arms around this. 855-616-1620. Am I just holding a grudge? I have nothing personal against the guy. I just completely disapprove of how he went about being great in his particular field. And as I said, there are different ways of being great. But as we see him now, and as we reflect on how he was, you cannot let yourself ignore who he was just because, oh, right now he is an, a, a feeble older man who is clearly befallen with some illnesses. You can't do that. Do you agree with me or not? 855-616-1620. There's a connection, uh, in loosely, but a connection to what I said after the Monday after Kobe Bryant died. And I'll share that connection because I think there's a similarity here in the narrative as it pertains to Kobe Bryant upon his death and Bobby Knight upon his reunion at Indiana. I invite your comments and your texts, 855-616-1620. If you want to come in, if you want to come back at me and say, look, that's water under the bridge. Let bygones be bygones. This is clearly a man who is not doing well and deserves that moment in the sun with his former players. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the moment, but I'm saying you cannot, you cannot glaze over the way he went about his career because it was just flat out wrong. And in this day and age, Bobby Knight's coaching style, and we can get into that as well, that would not fly anymore. 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now that Bob Knight, Bobby Knight, former Indiana great coach, now that Bobby Knight is feebled, does that mean we should just completely ignore who he was and how he was at his zenith as a coach at Indiana? I say absolutely not. Absolutely not. And while I can under... Let's see. I can understand why fans with ties to that university are stricken with blind loyalty right now in light of what happened on Saturday with the big reunion. They're wrong for doing that. They're wrong for doing that. David and Mequon. Hi, David. You're on WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to have to uh, somewhat disagree with you on, on your point. Um, the, the reason being, yes, we should not ignore what he did. I mean, obviously what he did, he would never be able to get away, away with it today. However, you know, with back then, that was the Bobby Knight. People knew that he was a fiery type of a guy. And to his credit, you know, at the collegiate level, um, you know, he was a extremely winning coach with that strong personality. I'd be like saying, you know, if we were to take Vince Lombardi, you know, this you know twenty you know twenty five thirty years earlier, and and zoom him up today, he wouldn't be Vince Lombardi would never be able to do what he did back then. So I I personally feel that as far as Bobby Knight, yes, 
what he did when you know with the choking incident you know i i do think that's that's definitely improper but as far as him yelling and screaming and uh, you know obviously people remember where he threw the chair across the floor you know he was ticked off at some officials he was a very colorful person and he gave a lot of people you know he didn't take a lot of you know what from other people and you know consequently you know he was very successful you can't argue with the the, the stats there no. and a lot of kids did right. go on to great careers yes no you're right statistically he's one of the all-time greats i agree but you know i'll i'll, I'll push back on you david because i think to use terms like fiery and uh, um you know, emotional and colorful. passionate and, and, and co- colorful, another word that you used. I think that is normalizing some of the behavior that should not be normalized. I, I don't think it, it's, it should not be right to act the way he did, even if he did get the results. And yes, and there's a few people on the text line as well that say... Yeah. Uh, that's what got him the championships. And I don't know that I can get, I, I can't get to that point. I, I, I can't go there. I, I'm not there to say that, well, if he wouldn't have thrown a chair, put his hand on players any number of times in a way that crosses the line. I think we all know, we, call, we all can see a coach and do something or say something that makes you go, ooh. Yeah, that's that probably crosses the line. And I know that that right. line has moved. It has but that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily make it right. Um, I, I just, mm-hmm. I can't get there. I can't. Well, I'll just say this. Yeah. My only other point to this would be would be this. Sometimes, though, when you're a young kid, you know, sometimes you can try to reason with them and whatever, and it doesn't get into their head for whatever reason. And you have to realize that you might have to do a different tack as far as, like, okay, this is this is not where I want to be. I want this person could be so much better, and you don't want to see that talent wasted. And sometimes some people do need that little bit of a push, so to speak, to get them to where they need to be. And you know, is it you know, like I said, do you need to choke somebody? No, you no. don't need to choke somebody. But some sometimes you do need to yell at some people because if they do something stupid, if your kid does something dumb. That could be potentially, you know, right. Yeah, no, look, look the, the, the yelling yeah. and the berating, I give more leeway mm-hmm. to yelling at a kid and berating. You can't ever put a put your hand on a kid in a way that's detrimental to him. And I realize that was, I got to let you go. Thanks, man. Appreciate the call. I realize that that was accepted then, but it was wrong then. There were things that happened decades and decades ago that were, accept- I mean, think of all the things that were accepted at one point in time, that doesn't make them right. It was wrong then. It would be wrong now. Does anybody think, would Bob Knight, would his style still work today? Could Bob Knight still be a successful coach here in 2020? 855-616-1620. I do not think any way, shape, or form is Bobby Knight a successful coach in 2020. There's a good chance Bobby Knight would not even last the length of his initial contract in 2020. The times have changed, and the tactics, while wrong then and wrong now, were accepted then. 
not at all accepted now. 855-616-1620. Is there any way that Bob Knight could be a successful basketball coach with his tactic now? I say absolutely not. And and place yourself on a team or in an environment of an organization, because that's what a team is. It's an organization. It's a, it's a little mini company. I mean, in, in what world are those tactics, are those motivational tactics, in what world are those successful here in 2020? I can't think of one. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Text line 262. Today he wouldn't last one season. You are exactly right. Maybe one season would be the the length of it. There's not a lot of coaches. I'm trying to think of any coaches in college in the pros. Who's the closest to Bobby Knight now in terms of style? Huh. I gotta think. Is there anybody that jumps to mind? That that genre has petered out. It is gone. There's nobody. I think it's a I think it's a different energy. Like he his oh, it's, it, it's, it's it's impatient. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an angry and short kind of style. Like if you're not doing something that he likes, he's gonna make it known and try to fix it by any means possible. And usually it's a negative avenue. Now, when I say I don't think he'll be successful anymore, I, I think it's la- largely due to the fact that look. Young people, 18 to 22, if we're talking college sports, 18 to 22-year-olds, they don't respond to that anymore. And you can, oh, they're soft, they're weak, they can't. Fine, call them soft, call them weak, but I, I got news for you. They just won't respond to that. They will shut down. They'll transfer. Imagine if you have the transfer rules then as you do now. How yeah. many, think about that. How many kids would have transferred out of Bobby Knight's program if they have the what they call the transfer portal now? We're just on a whim. They don't have to tell the coach. They can just walk into the compliance office and say, I want out, Boop, put my name on the list, and now I'm gone. Think about that. You're just not, as a coach, going to be successful. You can yell. You can scream. You can shove kids. You can't. But, I mean, you can. You, you can act like a maniac. You're not going to win. But how how is that the true motivator? Like that's the thing that I question from that style of coaching. Like how is that? How am I the most motivated by you being? It's fear based. That's yeah. what it is, and yeah. that's not a motivator. I mean, I guess there are some people, some kids, some young people who, because of who they are and how they grew up, find themselves in a position where I will be motivated by fear. Maybe it was it was uh, I don't know a household without parents or without a dad and only a mom or whatever there, there were problems at home and so it's that ultimate structure if even that in your face structure but i'm telling you guys that and i'm, I'm around 18 to 22 year olds on a basketball team six months out of the year and i have been for a long long time that tactic that style that way of leading of motivating that just does not work. And there's a reason why it is antiquated and old, and you don't see coaches do that anymore. Much of it is due to the personality of the coach. But Bobby Huggins? But I feel like Bob Huggins has toned it down as he's gotten older. He's the coach now at West Virginia. I'm trying to think of just in college basketball. Um Gosh, I, I can't think of one that is still coaching as an in-your-face 
almost over-the-line type style, and it's working. Young people just aren't motivated by that. They're not led by that. And and how is that, and Melissa, you said it, how is that an effective way to lead any organization, which is what a team is? That doesn't happen in, in the business world. And I understand it's it's some apples and oranges there. But in the end, a coach is a motivator, a leader, the CEO of the organization. There's somebody who has to find a way to get the most out of the employees or the players. And the 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 way and the style of Bob Knight, wrong then, it'd be wrong now, and it certainly would not be effective now. It, it was effective then. He won. You can't argue with the numbers. I get that. But it would not be effective now. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It does raise a larger question of what motivates you as a person, right? What, what, what is it about your makeup that others can draw the best out of you? Get in their face. Where else does that work? And I know sports and athletics is unique in this way. You're not walking into well here. You're not walking. You're not walking into a radio industry. You know, and someone's getting it. What's wrong with you, Warris? You call that a topic? Let's go. Get your head out of your butt. I mean, that's not going to work. Uh, Brad, our program director, walking in here is not going to be throwing it. Well, no. No, he's not going to. We have had some that, no, all right, let's not go down that road. You ever have a chair thrown at you? No. No, that doesn't happen. You're not working in an insurance building and, you know, somebody comes in. You call, look, you got to sell more life insurance policies or you're gone. I'm sick of this. You call, your, you call yourself an insurance salesman? Look at your numbers. You're horrible. Now get out there and sell. Yay. Really? You're gonna, that, that's going to motivate you? No, sports is unique this way. So it is, it, it is tough to make that analogy. I know I kind of alluded to it. But in this day and age, could Bob Knight's style work in motivating and leading young people? Absolutely not. No chance. That style is, is over. It's done. It's antiquated. Jim and Sheboygan. Hi, Jim. You're in WTMJ. Oh, great to great to weigh in. Uh, a lot of things you left out. Number one, um, Bobby Knight, after uh, coaching at Army, was hired at Wisconsin, and uh, he agreed to take the job. And he asked, "Please don't don't let this out for a day or two. I want to talk to my players, and, and I want them to hear it from me that I'm leaving." When he got back back home, it was all over the radio and, and TV that uh, he was leaving and going to Wisconsin. He's well, somebody's. Somebody's over there has got a big mouth. I asked that they not uh, do this, so I'm not coming to Wisconsin. And uh, that's exactly what happened. I had never he heard that. Players. Hang on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I had never heard that before. I've lived here my whole life. I've, I never, I, I'll oh. have to look that up. I did not know that that was uh, the case. Thanks for that. Yeah, that's well known. Uh, he had players like George McGinnis, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Quinn Buckner. No, I know he had good uh, players. So, so, okay, so what, what's your point? I know he had good players. I know he won. I'm not denying yeah. the statistics. They weren't all good players. Uh, a few, a few really good ones. The guy knew how to coach. He would not allow zone defense, man to man only, and, and never anything man to man. But, 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 um, this, okay, all right. But Jim, could, could his, could his style? And yes, he was a good coach. He could draw play. I get all that. Like the X's and O's, the logistics. Yeah, he's great. I, I'm not, I'm not depriving him that. But could all the other stuff? 
the motivating, the temper, uh, the, the, the ways of, of, of um, well, leading that team with the intangibles beyond the X's and O's. Could that still work now, here and now, you think, Jim? Yeah, it would work. It would work. Um, really? One of the coaches that was tough, uh, Dan Gable was tough. He won nine straight NCAA uh, championships at uh, Iowa. He was mad because he didn't win 10 in a row. Think of that. Uh, Vince Lombardi was tough. Okay, but okay, uh, you're right. He was tough, but but I'm saying here and now in 2020, what is it about what those guys were, how they were, the way they coached, how they led, how they decided to motivate? What? See, I I, I don't see I, I I don't know that Lombardi, and I know Lombardi was loud and could be bombastic, but to the level of night. Uh, you you've never heard stories on par with what Knight did. So why do you think Knight would be as good now as he was then? Because he he knew the game inside out and he knew how to get okay. get people to do things the right way. Uh, but, but 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 did. by doing um, it, but I got I got to move on, Jim. Not- but 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 by doing it the wrong way. That's my point. In the end, he won, but he did it the wrong way. He could drop plays. Yes, tactician. I'm not taking that stuff away from him. I feel like a, a broken record here. But all the ancillary noise, that style does not work anymore. And you know how we know that? Because nobody's coaching like that anymore. Hello? There's a lot of great tacticians out there. And the fact that I had trouble coming up with a comp for Bob Knight and his behavior tells you. It, it doesn't work anymore. Look what's happened in the last 10 years with coaches who have crossed the line. The Rutgers coach, whose name escapes me now, was fired because of some of the practice footage that came out and was released with some of the tactics he was using. In pre- you can't put your hand on a kid in a way that crosses the line. You cannot do that. Kids are not going to stay in your program if you coach like that. They will leave. And if they leave, that's when the alarm bells start going off among the athletic directors and the donors, and the losing will start. He cannot win. That style does not win. Somebody said Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo is very, very um, impassioned. There's a soft side of Izzo that you didn't see with Knight, and I think that kind of excuses some of Izzo's behavior. He's a very emotional guy as well. He cries a lot at post-game press conferences, so I think that softens his image a little bit and and buys him some some sympathy with folks who would otherwise torches and pitchforks, storm the castle type, you know, situation. Let's continue. To Pewaukee and talk to Daryl. Hey, Daryl. Hey, how are you doing? I'm okay. So you met Bob Knight a few times, huh? A few times. I worked with him. I not worked with him. I was in the bubble of a basketball atmosphere and I watched him coach and I watched him lead young men. So I think the disconnect here is we're, we're jumping over several points from getting to, uh, how, uh, how Bob Knight was as a, as a television persona. And he built that reputation on purpose to shield his kids from the glaring light of notoriety. But, the, the reason he got his kids to stay and not transfer, because really he only had the one transfer, the high-level transfer, it was Isaiah Thomas. And no, kids wouldn't leave his program because Bobby Knight would go to that family to recruit that kid 
And the first thing he would do is assure the family that he was going to have a fine young man get a fine education before he stepped on the court. And these kids put up with that style of coaching because nobody wanted to disappoint him. Not because they were afraid, but because they were, they were endeared to him. And the connection that he had made on the person-to-person, man-to-man level. And that's why he got away with what he did for as long as he did. Because his players didn't revolt because it was just a persona he displayed for all of us to, you know, go gaga over. So could he win today? i got to let you go on this. Could he win today? He could win as a tactician. Nobody could, nobody could act like Bobby Knight yeah. did now. Thanks for the call, Daryl. Appreciate it. One last call. We'll move on. Michelle and Grafton. Hi, Michelle. Yeah, I disagree. He almost sounds like he's being cultish, that last caller. Um, and, I mean, I grew up, I was a cheerleader back in the McGuire era and um, at Marquette. And, you know, that was still the era where, you know, nuns slapped you and your parents spanked you and things like that. Mm-hmm. But there was something about Bobby Knight that crossed the line. And I remember I was I was a, a good friend. My parents were good friends with McGuire, and he said his success. He said, I'm, I'm the theatrics, and Hank's the playmaker, and I know Majerus is a great recruiter. So, you know, they had the Holy Trinity there when I was there. Mm-hmm. But there's something about Bobby Knight that just crossed the line, and no, he couldn't get away with that today because I think coaches coach differently. And you can be passionate, and you can yell and scream, but you know what? You, you can't call off and throw things and, and mess no, around with no. the kids that are playing for you. Nope, that you're right, Michelle. Thanks for the call. That that just flat out does not work. And the list of coaches who have tried that since Bobby Knight was at the apex of his career, the list of coaches who have been like that and retired or have been younger coaches have tried it and have flamed out or were busted for it, or were fired for it, or resigned because of the accusations were for it. I mean, you draw the line, professional sports, we can have that conversation another time. I'm just talking and have been talking collegiately. 18 to 22-year-old young men, young women as well. And there are female coaches who have been uh, you know, just as inappropriate in terms of how they coach and the tactics they try to lead. It would not work now. It does not work now. For the simple fact that, look around, there's nobody coaching the way Bobby Knight once did. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) Spent the first uh, couple segments of the show just talking about the Oscars last night and I think how much everybody... You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who says, you know what, I, I would like a little more political commentary in my Academy Awards. I would like more of that. No, I think everybody pretty much says, yeah, bleh. well, <laughs> maybe there's something to it in terms of people just being fed up. Apparently, yes, uh, last night's ABC's Oscars telecast reached all-time lows in the ratings. All-time lows. It averaged just over 23 million viewers. That's well below the nearly, t- uh, well, 29.5 million last year. The rating numbers, it was a 7.7 last year. It was a 5.3 this year. So that's a 20% drop year to year in viewers. 31% of the key ad sales demo of adults. Hmm. I think they should go back to a host. I like the host. I think they need to find a host for the show. Maybe not. You said you saw all the movies or most of the movies that were up for it yesterday. 
I need to uh, I need to start checking some of them out. I'd have to look at the list because there's ten of them. I think I've I know I've seen 1917. I've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I've been meaning to see Parasite. Haven't gotten around to that. Um, have you ever seen a movie with subtitles? Oh yeah, I've seen plenty of them. Mm-hmm. I'll admit, never have. They're not that bad. I mean, it's it's not that distracting. No, uh, I mean, you get most of the gist of what you're seeing while you're also reading. Uh, It's it's kind of hard to right. It's hard. It's hard to believe, like with you not you know not seeing it. You know, um, me just saying that. I think it's hard to believe. But yeah, I mean, uh, do you have Netflix? I can watch it there. Yeah, they they have a lot of different uh, foreign films on on Netflix. No, I never have. I just the uh, the subtitles thing. I just and it's a probably a stupid belief. I just I I. I'm never thinking. Oh, I should watch. I, if I'm reading, can I still? Pro- I'm looking down. I'm looking up. I'm things are happening. I'm reading. I'm processing. There's more work involved, Kyle. I'm, I'm trying to say I don't want to do a lot of work when I go to the movies. <laughs> I'm willing to bet you're not going to enjoy it the first time you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe I need a I need a, a a warm up to Parasite. Yeah, I think I think you need to go into it with a good attitude too. <laughs> well, I think, boy, the, the way they reacted to it last night. Would, would you? Yeah, I'm impressed. So, um, one of my best friends is a huge uh, film buff. So he like has to watch all of them that are you know nominated for best picture. I mean, not all of them in general. Um, but yeah, so he uh, was saying, "Gotta see Parasite." I loved it. Uh, that's that's he said that that was his favorite. He didn't wow. think it was gonna win. Um, I mean, because it was the very first mm-hmm. non-English movie to win best mm-hmm. picture. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had heard tons about it. When I just watched the reaction of everybody in the room to them winning it just seems like that was a film and the uh, the director was kind of an interesting character and everybody really embraced even the even the losers uh, really embraced them winning all right well i'll i'll look is parasite in most theaters though yeah so they have it if you if you go to the east side they have it at the oriental yeah um and a lot of the smaller theaters i don't think uh, i know marcus the marcus like cinemas they had them oh. uh leading up to the oscars i they they might bring it back now that it's one best picture but uh but yeah i know you can find it at the smaller theaters all right i think that that's one of the issues i have is i usually i don't think of going to the smaller theaters so do the larger chains the name chains do they have some of these well in this case foreign film no international film don't call it foreign film because they changed the name for the best foreign film to the best international film, I think. I don't know. Some PC change was made. Last week, I just want to make this real quick. Last week, something happened to me. Speaking of basketball, I've thought of this. Something I witnessed, I was reminded of. I love our country. I bleed the red, white, and blue. But I was reminded that we do have one deficiency. There's one area where we as Americans have fallen short when we come back. Take away my citizenship card for what I'm about to say here. I did a basketball game last week, and it was Canada night. They had some Canadian kids, and they invited some Cana- you know, local Canadian, whatever. But I was reminded because they played the Canadian national anthem. And you know what it reminded me? That this, this anthem oh, is so much better than ours. I'm telling you, listen. The lyrics are good. The melody is good. It's singable. One thing about our own national anthem, it's hard to sing along. 
You've heard from people who perform the national anthem, professional singers, how how difficult it is with that octave change, you know, two-thirds of the way through. But the Canadian national anthem, and I've said this before, and I'm a little sheepish to do so, but i got to do it again. I was reminded how much I like the Canadian national anthem. Well, why don't you move to Canada? Eh? No, I don't want to move to Canada. I love America. America's superior than Canada in every other way. Also, uh, prescription drug prices. But other than prescription drug prices and the Canadian national anthem, America is better. This is just, and don't forget, at least in the Canadian national anthem, unlike the Star-Spangled Banner, what is the major difference? Melissa, what is the major difference? Between the Canadian national anthem. Well, you were talking about the key change. There's, it's lower. Well, the key, change, but but there, there. Do you know what the Canadian national anthem has that the U.S. national anthem does not have? I don't. The name of the country. Think about it. Star Spangled Banner does not have the word America in it. You're on a rampage today. No, I'm just. <laughs> it just. You, know, call you had a, a point, f- though, about the prescription drugs. They yeah. do have better prices up there. It is cheaper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and their anthem has the name of the country. So I love America. God bless us, everyone. But when it comes to anthem comparisons, you have to uh, vote for Canada. Eh? Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Scott Warris. Hour number three. Wisconsin Afternoon News comes up at three o'clock, of course. Before we get out of here, we'll do this next half hour. We will give away today's $25 gift card to Sticks Golf Entertainment. We are scouring the Facebook posts that have been put up, WTMJ Facebook page, as to why you love golf. So we will do that before the end of the show. Some good ones in there. Some are trying to tug at our heartstrings. I say our. Kyle and I will be uh, pouring over these, and we'll give away the winner. Some of them are trying to go the emotional route. Some are trying to go the comedic route. You know, there, there is no right or wrong answer, certainly. And we'll just pick uh, the most creative let me say the most creative answer before uh, before 3 o'clock and give away today's gift card. I debated doing this, but I had a, a conversation with a couple of people in the office this afternoon uh, regarding doctor's appointments. When's the last time you were at the doctor, Kyle? For me, it was about a year-ish. Do you go annually, just the annual physical? Uh, I try to. I don't always do it, but... Usually I'll get like my flu shot at the same time, stuff like that. Oh, okay. All right. I have not been to the doctor in a long time. Long, long time. And I wouldn't say that I was doctor shamed, like I was rent shamed last week, for those of you listening to the Scafidi show. But I really don't feel, and again, I'm not saying doctor appointments are not important. People do not misconstrue me. But I, I did get a couple of funny looks from people in the office when I said, yeah, I have not been in a long time. It's been at least... I don't know, a decade, because I feel that I, I don't feel sick. I don't feel ill. I feel okay. If I, if I felt as if something was wrong, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that, even though I'm coughing up blood or you know, haven't been able to, to breathe properly in, in two years or I've got this, here, does this look infected to you? <laughs> then I would go to a doctor. But I really don't feel the necessity in late 30s. I don't feel the necessity to go to a doctor yet. And I recognize that. The older you get, there are certain 
there are certain ages at which things have to start happening in terms of uh, you know checkups and things happening at the checkup that they recommend eh, every so often you need to start having that looked at or that inspected. I get that and I will. I'm not so naive as to think you know that's below me or I'm I'm afraid of something or other. But I I, I guess here's my question. I sometimes like to do this eight five five. 616-1620. Somebody said last week I said the number too quickly. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Am I wrong for not going to the doctor since college? I don't think so. Um, I, I, I would... That's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Like I said, nothing's wrong. I don't feel ill. I've never felt... Uh, ill or something wrong to the point of ignoring, you know, ignoring your body and telling you to go to the doctor. If if I if I've gotten so sick in terms of a cold or flu symptoms that I need medical attention, usually a one of those quick walk-in clinics, a quick care, as it were. But just I just want to spend a segment on this, and anecdotally. Is this something that, oh, yeah, if, if you maybe went a long stretch of time in your life saying, yep, never went to the doctor, was not a big thing for me, I was fine, started going when I was older, or maybe you're just one of those people that just never goes to the doctor. I do know people who have never gone to the doctor for decades and decades and decades and decades at a time, and then they get older and suddenly something pops up and it's too late. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just Maybe it's just me. I'm not afraid of the doctor, not afraid of needles or you know anything like that. Preventative care is very important. I'm not poo-pooing preventative care and caution and checkups and things like that. But, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just one of those things where something's going to happen to me. I go, you know what, Morris? I remember when you were on the radio one time and you said you hadn't been to the doctor for a routine check. I'm just talking for a routine physical checkup. To not have gone in over a decade, probably closer to 15 years, is there anything wrong with that? I, I really am curious. For those of you in the medical field as well, saying, Scott, you idiot, what is wrong with you? Well, nothing. I don't feel as if anything's wrong with me. But tell me otherwise. 855-616-1620. Sometimes it's often the case where you, you discuss something in the office with some people and you bring it to the air because this is one of those relatable things. I know there are those of you out there who don't go, rightly or wrongly, and you haven't been, and you feel like you're doing okay. 855 616 one six twenty, or maybe you're going to freak me out and you're going to scare me, and I'll schedule an appointment at three o five this afternoon. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I haven't been to the doctor in over fifteen years. I feel fine. I feel good. Got some weird looks in the office when it came up as a topic of conversation. But I know there's some of you out there who've gone long long stretches of time in your life without going to the doctor, you're just fine. Or should I be very worried about this? I'm in my late 30s. <laughs> I'm not at any one of those ages where there's a certain you know procedure or whatnot, a checkup that has to happen. I'll, I'll cross that path when I have to come to it. Um, and, you know, family health history is important. I'm conscious of that, and there's nothing pressing in that respect either. I mean... Okay, well, this is helpful. Look at this. The 402, te- oh, this is Christy in Delafield, former RN here. The physician visit schedule for males. I've never seen this before. Did you know this was a thing? 
She says, in your 20s, you go two times. In your 30s, go three times. In your 40s, you go four times. In your 50s, you go five times, so on and so forth, unless you have a diagnosed health issue that needs frequent monitoring. I have never heard that before. I have never heard that little little uh what little device to go to the wow and it comes from christy former uh wow well that makes me feel better what about zero what about zero christy um let's go down to florida talk to hugh hi hugh hi how you doing up there i'm okay i'm healthy as a horse (laughs) very very good i you know uh i i just want to mention the fact that you have to pay attention to the gene factor Mm -hmm. in your family and i'll give you an example in my case where, where my father had prostate cancer and his father, my grandfather, had prostate cancer. So I was in line and son of a gun. When I turned 62, I always went in for my yearly blood work and stuff, and mm-hmm. they, they see something wrong. And, and sure enough, I had a couple of spots, and sure. I, I caught it early enough to get rid of it with radiation, and that was 20 years ago. But it's uh, it's so very important to uh, pay attention to, uh, you know, if your family's got a background of heart problem or, mm-hmm. or this or that or whatever, to make, make at, at least go once a year and have blood work done. Have have, have that lipo, what they call lipo panel uh, done and uh, uh, it, it, it tells you all about the inside of your body, what's going on and if you, if you catch this stuff I, I caught my prostate con- ca- cancer so early oh, yeah. and it was just a matter of a little radiation to knock it out and uh, if I would have forgot about it or would have done what I did I could I probably would have been dead by now because it's been 20 years that I'm a survivor Wow, alright I'm happy to hear that Hugh and you're right, you bring up the great point about family history and if there's something in your gene makeup based on who your parents were and whatnot. Yeah. Everybody has to look at their own situation differently. I get that. Totally. So, all right. I feel I feel pretty good now. You're making me feel good because I was kind of uh, feeling a little sheepish when I walked into this topic based on people in the building. <laughs> Gianni in Montello. Hi, Gianni. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, well, I have to echo the previous caller. Uh, yeah, an annual blood panel um, is always a good idea um, after the age of 40. But uh, what about your blood pressure? Do you own a blood pressure uh, monitor? Do you know what your blood pressure is on a daily basis? Not um, a clue. You don't necessarily have to see a doctor. <laughs> Not a clue. Okay. Well, that's something that you should buy. They're very inexpensive. And um, you, 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 you know, you, you follow the instructions and uh, sit quietly for for a couple minutes and uh, relax, and then you know what your blood pressure is. All right. And, um, you don't have to see a doctor for that. No. And then when you hit 50, uh, the colonostomy. Yeah, that's the, that's, the, <laughs> that's the big one. No, yeah, that's what I was alluding to when I said, I know there are certain lines of demarcation. There are certain ages at which certain procedures are rec- highly recommended, and you got to do it. So that's... Yeah, that's on the radar. Yeah, well, listen, it's, it's the day before that's the worst part. It's <laughs> not what, not the actual procedure per se. That's what people say. Thanks for the call, Gianni. I do appreciate it. All right, thank you, you guys. I, pre- I, I you make me feel a little better now uh, than I was going into that. There's somebody on the text line. Where is this one? Who texted the, this in? Somebody. Oh, here we go. Four one four said. Now get this. They said they're 39 years old and they have not been to the dentist in 30 years. That doesn't I mean I maybe you're I mean maybe you brush twice a day, three times a day and you're doing all the other flossing and whatnot, but see, I go to the dentist, you know, every 6 months. I'm pretty consistent with that. See, I feel like the dentist is different than the doctor because the dentist there's a there's always 
preventative measures being taken, the cleaning and all the other, the x-rays and things like that, that will prevent issues from rising. And you might say, well, Scott, the doctor is the same thing. And some way, maybe you're right. But how could you not go to the dentist 30 years? I mean, I, I, I assume your, your mouth looks good. My doctor, the 262, my doctor dropped me because I didn't see him for seven years. Okay. I waited 10 years. They gave me a blood test. My cholesterol was 414. I felt fine, but I was a walking heart attack. Just get the blood work done. I felt fine. I only weighed 180 pounds. Uh-oh. I'm 31. I go to the doctor every year for my physical. I'm a healthy guy. However, my doctor informed me that I'm pre-diabetic. I never would have known. And now I'm no longer pre-diabetic by changing my diet. Okay, that's good. And lastly, it depends on your family history and your lifestyle changes. That's true. All that stuff is important. My RN sister says, family history starts somewhere. Just get a checkup once a year. Okay, all right. I will take it all under advisement, but I don't feel quite as bad. I appreciate all of you. But I, I like that. I like that little chart. If you're in your 20s, visit a physician twice, 30s, three times, 40s, four times, 50s, five times, so on and so forth, unless you have something that needs frequent monitoring. That is one of the most helpful texts I have ever read on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Thank you, Christy and Delafield. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. People are. <laughs> oh, people are telling me, um, <laughs> like prepping me for the colonoscopy age. I'm a long way off from that. <laughs> you know, one of the weirdest products out there. <laughs> and I laugh every time I see the commercial. It's the I think it's it's Cologuard, the Cologuard test, where you're just it it's. <laughs> Has anybody, I don't, anybody ever used that? I guess so. It's it's popular. So that way you don't have to go to the doctor for the colonoscopy. You just um, you do your your business, and then you take a sample, as I understand it, and then you put it in the box, and you ship the box. That's ship the box back to. And they'll check it, and they'll and if you're clear, they'll say you're all clear. It's very popular, I guess, more so than the rather invasive process. You're shaking your head. We're going to have to cross this path soon, Kyle. I'm a, I'm a little few years older than you, but look, you're you're how old are you? Thirty. Yeah. Okay. We're both in our thirty. It's, it's it's just a matter of time. But you know what 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 we can hope? Twelve years for me, twenty years for you. We at least can hope that by the time we're the colonoscopy age. Maybe, just maybe, there will be some sort of scientific device or new method that is like non-invasive, you know, you don't even have to harvest harvest your own sample. Maybe by the time that we're of the colonoscopy age, it will be simply just um, like a blood test or uh, just a... Well, we just gotta just uh, spit in this petri dish, and we'll we'll be able to tell from the 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 uh, enzymes in your saliva as to whether or not your colon is healthy. I like that. That seems easy. <laughs> A lot easier than the alternative. What they're doing nowadays. <laughs> you need you start thinking back. Oh, now we're going down this. We're going down a path, folks. Now you start thinking back of going. I mean, 
think about the first time some of these procedures were introduced. I mean, you want to you you I mean, where where's the I was at a what city was I in Sacramento, and Sacramento has a museum of medical history, me- medical science history. I don't know if it's the the museum, but it has a medical science museum. And you go through there and look at some of the devices and instruments that were used for very common rudimentary procedures now. I mean, just across the spectrum. Anything. Not just colonoscopy. Anything. They were torture devices. Yeah. Yeah. And it's scary. Something out of a horror movie. I think of my mom, who was born in, in Germany and came over with my grandparents when she was still very, very young. But I think of her or my grandparents having to go to the dentist in, you know, pre, my grandparents, pre-World War II Germany. You start thinking about the science that was there and available and the medical advances available, not not available. <laughs> I don't know. People are, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people, oh, it does not replace a colonoscopy. I don't know. I don't know, people. Anyway, I find Cologuard to be a funny process. And I rather discuss how'd you like to be the how'd you like to be the Amazon worker or the, the, the postal worker? Hey, I know that our God bless our, our mail carriers, our mailmen and male women, if I can use those terms. But I mean Well it's funny you bring every time I see that commercial I think wow. Yes. I think wow. It's the smiling box yes, with the, the arms box. and the legs. It's, yeah. What's inside the box? <laughs> how do you keep that fresh? <laughs> you don't. Uh, well, I don't think the freshness of it. Well, I mean, you got to keep it contained. What's inside the? Is it is it a is it a tube? Is it's it just, just those little silica packets that you get in your shoe boxes? Oh, you've done this? No. Oh, <laughs> oh like, how do you know what's in it? Kyle's talking like from a point of. <laughs> I mean, it's nice that you don't have to go to the doctor. I guess for it, you can just send it off, but. Well, no, people in, in, are people are now saying in capital letters, it does not replace a colonoscopy. It does not replace a oh, colonoscopy. Oh, okay, but you can just see if but there's I, anything I thought, wrong. I thought, maybe. I thought Cologuard is, is in place of a colonoscopy. I thought that's the point of maybe it. Maybe it's a diagnosis like, technique where so you then if, send it off, and then if something comes back, then you go see your doctor. See, we, we need just need the test, you know, like a, like a home pregnancy test. test. <laughs> Where you, you if, it, it. if it turns this color, then you've got issues. If not, but maybe it is like a home pregnancy test where if it's positive, then you go in you to go the doctor and, yeah, for the you follow-up. figure out the next thing. Wow, people are really getting creative on the on the text line. <laughs> All right, we need to clear this up. I'm going to go to the Google machine and clear up the Cologuard. Can it replace a colonoscopy or not? If somebody calls in, Kyle, that are smarter than me, and there's plenty of them out there, you let us know. My gosh, Wagner. A chill just went down Jeff's spine because he's like, what? They're talking about what while I'm gone? You've taken the show to new levels, Scott. And it's only Monday and I'm here all week. All right, it's 2.30. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Two thirty-seven. Scott Warson for Jeff up until 3 o'clock. I have found a three-pack of stories that are of interest to me, and I think they'll be interesting to you. It's a Monday edition of Great Scott. Dark Substance. Picture this. 
you're an apartment dweller or co-dweller and you have somebody living upstairs, a dark substance with a horrible smell starts to drip down the wall of your apartment. Well, this happened to two guys. And they took pictures of it. They tweeted it. It's Minneapolis. And they said it smelled horrible recently. So this guy... A.J. McCready is his name, and his uh, roommate called a maintenance team to investigate. There's this dark, and there's pictures here. It's, it's just a dark, dripping substance. It smells bad. The last couple of days, it smells bad. It's, it's a, it's almost like a. They dab their finger in it, smell it, black tar-like liquid. That's really what it seemed like. So the landlord goes upstairs, and well, maybe let's see if this is something that the neighbor upstairs is dealing with as well. Walked in. Landlord walks into the room. Smell is even stronger now than it was downstairs. Walks into the bedroom. The tenant upstairs had died. Dead. It was blood and bodily fluid that was running and dripping down through through the floorboards and down the wall of the tenants below. That black tar-like liquid was bodily fluids. Wow. The two roommates told their Twitter followers about the grim discovery. AJ, one of the guys, said, My apartment was smell- smelling horribly recently, and I just found out the guy living above me has been dead for over a week. And before you ask, his body was just discovered after his blood, this is like something out of a horror movie, leaked down the ceiling into our apartment this morning. All I really know of the situation is the man upstairs died in his sleep. So he was not killed. He was not murdered. He died in his sleep. Now, for those of you who know some of the science behind what the body does after it dies is everything kind of relaxes and releases. That's one of the things I don't... They don't show that part on Law & Order when the body is dead or CSI, when everything just releases because the muscles go to mush and everything just flows out of you. Everything flows out of you. His body decomposed and managed to seep into our apartment. We've uh, we've heard leaking in our bath. We we've had leaking in our bathroom. So when we saw this, we called the maintenance guy. At first, the maintenance workers had no idea what was happening, what the substance leaking out the wall was. And he says, "I wiped off a little to examine it. Went upstairs. The guy was dead in the bed. It wasn't a murder. He just died in his sleep." Oof. You know what this? Makes me proud to be. This makes me proud to live in the fourth or on the fourth floor of a four-story apartment complex. Right, Scott? I don't like to buy food from gas stations. And I'm not talking about candy, a bag of chips, um, you know, some ho-hos, Twinkies, stuff like that. I'm talking about food. And I know that in this day and age, the quick trips and the 7-Elevens and the speedways, you have made remarkable strides in terms of producing food, sandwiches, hot dogs, pizza, fruit. I mean, you, you can get a full meal, as it were, at a lot of these places. But I, I just I, I can't cross that, that mental barrier. It just turns my stomach. Well, now 7-Eleven wants to become your gourmet chocolatier. <laughs> Recently, an interview with one of the senior managers of 7-Eleven. Hi, Mucky Mucks, I said. Um, they've talked about an ambitious plan for becoming, get this, America's top candy destination. 
Since candy is a huge seller for the company, this summer, 7-Eleven will even unveil a proprietary line of premium Belgian chocolate with a highly approachable price point and is in the process of collaborating with Japanese candy Haichu on, quote, exclusive fruit combinations like passion fruit and mango. Hmm. And they say this is going to be a hit with 7-Eleven's customer base, and it speaks to how they're planning the long game, as it were. Boomers, the biggest chocolate devotees and brand loyalist of the bunch, account for most sales of things like Heath and Baby Ruth bars. Millennials and Gen Zers, meanwhile, have a higher affinity for non-chocolate candy and can't seem to get enough sour stuff. Well, at any rate, 7-Eleven, the latest, or soon to be the most recent, to delve into the chocolate world, put me down for Swedish fish. And finally, Friday, of course, is Valentine's Day. Oh, love is in the air. But maybe, maybe not so much for you. And if so, if on a day like Friday, February 14th, you spend more time thinking about your exes and the relationships that did not go well, that went awry, well, then maybe, maybe you got to head to El Paso because there are two zoos in Texas near El Paso that will let you honor an ex in a cruel but very satisfying way. The El Paso Zoo, oh, the San Antonio Zoo is doing it as well, are running campaigns through Friday, get this, to dedicate a cockroach after one of your exes, and then they'll feed it to an animal. The El Paso event is free. Donations are suggested. San Antonio's charging $5 per roach. The best part, you don't have to live in either city. So for sitting right here in Milwaukee, what you can do is you can send into El Paso's Face Zoo's Facebook page the name of an ex, the reason you want to dedicate a cockroach in the name of that ex, and then you can watch as it is fed to an animal. Um, for every $1,000 raised in donations, they will also eat a cockroach, according to the director of the El Paso Zoo. Submissions are open for San Antonio's cockroach naming through Thursday. El Paso's runs through Saturday. And if you're not feeling particularly grouchy about Valentine's Day, the Bronx Zoo has a completely different offer. For $15, you can name a cockroach in your partner's honor and a love that'll last as long as the roaches. All right. I can think of a few cockroaches in my past that I would like to see eaten by a lizard or three. Yep. There's some of them. That is a Monday pre-Valentine's Day edition of... Great 